Welcome in to the Shot Management Show presented by AutoLeap. I'm your host, Will. This podcast will explore the experiences, challenges, and lessons learned of auto repair shop owners. We'll cover every topic imaginable from EVs to ADOS, right to repair, the technician shortage, and so much more. AutoLeap is an all-in-one cloud-based shop management software that allows shop owners to better run their business, increase efficiency, and grow revenue. You can find a link to schedule a free demo with AutoLeap in the show notes of this episode. Please like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thrilled to be joined today by Chris Cotton, owner of AutoFix Auto Shop Coaching and host of the Weekly Blitz podcast. Chris and I will discuss an important topic for shop finances, managing your cash flow. Chris, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I know we we keep we've been missing each other back and forth. I think and uh, and glad to get this done. Absolutely, yeah. I'm glad to finally get it scheduled. And thank you again for joining me. Let's start the conversation today by discussing the pivotal role that cash flow plays for auto repair shops. Why is it essential for auto repair shop owners to have a profit and cash flow strategy? Well, what what I find more often than not is that auto repair shop owners they just run their business. And then if they have cash, great. If they don't, then then they find another way to to pay for stuff, right? Like credit cards, um, secondary financing, which we all know is tough right now. The the big thing though is if you're in control of your cash and you're making a profit in controlling your cash, then you have that at your disposal to do the things that you need to do when you want to do them. Buy better equipment, buy more equipment. Maybe, maybe you're on the line whether you need to hire another technician or service advisor or not. If you have a cash surplus, then you can do that, let that play out for a month or two while you get those people on their feet and then get them going. Um, not so much here lately, but in the uh, 2008 to 2012, 13 range, we had these credit card companies that would loan money to the businesses for against their receipts. Well, what happens is that pinches the cash flow down even more is basically like predatory loan shark lending for repair shops, to their credit card sales. So again, if you can control your cash, you can control your business. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting angle. And it's definitely an area that can be overlooked by many auto repair shop owners, I think. And it's an area that requires immense preparation and then strategy, which is a lot of what we're going to get into today. To that point, how can having a robust cash flow strategy help an auto repair shop in terms of their growth, their sustainability, and then something you just talked about a little bit, navigating some unforeseen challenges? Well, the the big thing is, is being in charge of your own destiny, right? Like, again, if you can't go to the bank and borrow it, or you, you don't want to use some of these other places, the only way you're going to have cash to do this is to have it in your profit model and to make sure that you're setting it aside. It's not hard. Um, I often say auto repair shop owners don't know what they don't know until they know it, right? Like it's too late until you've learned it. And that's why I've been big on this. If, if I could give one thing out to new and, and starting auto repair shop owners, it's this, it's a cash flow strategy. It's a way to, to manage your cash. But Without managing your margins correctly, there's no cash in the business. And so what I find a lot of times is people that get in the industry, they think they can do it better than the people that they worked with before. Maybe they can, maybe they can't, but they also think they can do it cheaper and then and then maybe make it easier on the end user. But what they find is a year, two years, three years into this, they have no cash, they have checks that they've written to themselves that they can't cash because they don't have any money 
And shop owners are the nicest people on the planet, right? Like they all do, they all really, really enjoy taking customers, I really feel, and and want to do that, but they do it to their own detriment. So so they're there to help everybody else, but nobody's helping them and their family. And and honestly, if we're being honest, it's just us here talking. Other people don't care about you and your business. If it goes away, it just goes away. So so really what I'm telling you is be a business owner, not a hobby owner, and 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 be an adult and run your business by the numbers. I think that's great insight there. And you mentioned the importance of managing your margins at your shop. Can you dive into that a little more? How would you recommend a shop owner who's less comfortable in that area? How would you recommend they go about that process? So, so there's a couple of things. One, hopefully you're listening to the podcast and you're, and you're getting some insight out there. There's so much knowledge on auto repair shops now out there free to the public. It's insane. Um, when I was a shop owner, we barely had internet, you know, we were still using, uh, brick phones and flip phones. Uh, we didn't have DVIs there. There are all those things at our disposal now that we didn't have back then. So one is you got to listen to other people talk, gain from their experience Two, If you, if you're ready and you don't want to spend the money for a business coach, get in a peer group, find a peer group, listen to, listen to those shop owners, listen to those conversations. If you, are ready for coaching, find a coach and go. So when I talk about margins, I talk about it from my standpoint. And so you might talk to 10 different coaching companies and get 10 different answers, but I need you to realize exactly, you know, kind of what I'm talking about. Uh, I did recently get in trouble on my, on a video I did or one of my podcasts when I talked about margins and somebody just blasted me on YouTube and was like, well, that the, your margins are way too high and these other industries margins are lower. I don't know what other margins charge. I don't know how they figure their margins. Um, they may figure in service advisors when I don't figure in service advisors. So, so I'm going to kind of walk through that and talk about it. And you really have to understand this is from my standpoint and the way I coach my shops and the way our coaches coach our shops. So the first one is, is we have to make sure that we have a, a good parts and labor margin. All of our business comes from those two things. Like we don't, we don't hardly get to sell anything else. I mean, we do get to sell some sublet shop supplies in states that do shop supplies and tires, but the bulk of our sales comes from parts and labor. We are a parts and labor business. And one of the things that you have to watch out for, I see young shops getting in trouble with is they start letting people bring in their own parts. Well, if you let them bring in their own parts, it completely cuts you out of the margin side of it. So back to margins. So Parts margin, we want to be 50% or better. And I always say any of these numbers that I say, uh, OB is or better. So if you can make a 60% parts margin, do it. Uh, I've got some shops that make a 75% parts margin. Some people can, some people can't. Depends on your parts matrix and what your comfort level is. And I'll also say uh, people are way more parts price conscious than they are labor conscious. So, so parts is the first thing again, 50% or better on the labor side of it. You, you have, have to make a 70 to 75% or better labor margin. And this is another one of the things that I've been going around with, um, as far as, you know, what you're doing, but there are a lot of other things like effective labor rate productivity that go into that, but you need to at least structure it so that you're shooting for, you know, 70, 75% or better labor margin. Now, when I talk about labor margin, 
your your labor margin includes what you're actually paying your technicians plus their tax and benefit load. So if you're if you're paying somebody $45 an hour and your tax and benefit load is 20%, your real cost for that technician is $54 an hour. And then in order to get to our rate that we need to be, we're going to multiply that times 3.5 and and 3.5 is the multiplier to give us a 71% margin. That's 189. So I, I would also tell you if you're figuring your labor rate and you do it that way, it don't make it 189.00, make it 189 in your favorite number or whatever. So, so that's those two margins. And again, we're not going to go too deep into them. Uh, if you're selling tires, all the tire related things in there, tires, road hazard, it needs to be 30% or better. Your sublet should be 35% or better. And then when you take all these things at the end of the month and scrunch them together, we want to average out at 65% or better um, gross profit margin. Now, you'll notice the thing that I didn't include in there is service advisor. So the service advisor costs for me go down below into the expenses um, or operating expenses. And so I think that's one of the things that tripped this person up the other day is, is they were including all their labor costs in there. And they were coming up with a 40% gross profit margin where I'm talking about 65%, but I'm keeping the service advisors, I'm keeping um, any supporter assistance for the front office down below and operating expenses, et cetera. And you mentioned that reaction to some of your profit recommendations. How do you think as a shop owner, you can kind of get over the mindset of some of the recommendations may be very different from what their margins currently are today. So how can they kind of buy into accepting these margin recommendations and then making the necessary adjustments? So the first thing I would say is if you have a shop and you're a shop owner and you're not working as a service advisor or a technician and you're able to spend a month, a year away from your family and your family's living comfortably, whatever margins you're doing, you're probably okay. And if you have, there's a big difference between a, a shop that does $3 million and has a 50% gross profit versus a shop that's doing 300,000 and has a 30% gross profit. So as sales go up, the gross profit need isn't quite there. But for most of our listeners, they're probably in the 300,000 to $2 million range. And, and the gross profit numbers have to be where they need to be in order for you to be successful. Now, they have to be there in order to to hire technicians and recruit staff and give them benefits. So if, if recruiting is an issue, you need to look at your margins and look at your benefits. If, if customer service is an issue, you need to look at your parts margin and see what your warranty is. Um, the, the margin enables us to help our customers, both internal and external, live better lives and that and when i say internal and external that's our employees are internal customers and then the the clients or customers that walk into the shop are our externals so without margins it's really really hard to service your customer i was listening to a podcast the other day um brian walker from shop marketing pros was in it and he was talking about you know if you have money set aside and you're charging correctly if somebody comes in with a blown engine you don't have to worry about or thinking about warranting that engine out. You just take care of the customer and everything else will take care of itself. But the reason you're able to do that is because your margins are correct and you've got cash in the bank. 
Speaking of cash in the bank, that actually goes to my next uh, question on this topic. You covered previously in an AutoLeap webinar the importance of setting up your bank accounts. And it can feel like a simple step and sound obvious, but it is a very important step that you need to execute correctly. So can you dive into that for our listeners and kind of step-by-step advice on approaching how to configure your bank accounts? Yeah. So the 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 big thing is i want you to think of it as the envelope system or the bucket system like you like you're going to have different envelopes if you had a, a home budget you'd have a, a budget for you know an envelope for groceries an envelope for car repairs an envelope for nights out and things like that we're going to do the same thing like we're going to do the same thing we do in that situation but we're going to do it in our repair shop and the best way to do that is by having the separate bank accounts Usually what happens is all the money comes into one and then all that money goes back out of that one, including all of the household stuff that we have that the shop pays for. So that's another thing I want to say real quickly is number one, um, number one, always pay your sales tax. Sales tax doesn't belong to you. Number two, don't commingle your funds. Um, Pay yourself a check for your home budget and then budget for your home out of that. So going back to the 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 envelope system or the the bucket system that we're using for banks. We're going to have a separate bank account for income. And that's all that is, is all the money that comes into the business goes into one bank account. And then we make our disbursements out of that. We're also going to have a bank account for parts, sales tax, payroll, operating expenses, profits, IRS. And then if you want to have, if you have debt on the business and you want to set a, set money aside, then you can have that for debt. So you're going to have six, seven, eight bank accounts right there. And this is the hardest step when you're setting up the process is getting the bank on board and setting up all of these bank accounts. Because most of the times banks just lose their brains. Um, they also want to charge you zero balance fees and things like that. So those are some of the things that you got to think about is finding a bank that doesn't charge you for all those, doesn't nickel and dime you for all that, and they are uh, willing to move along with you. So the other thing is is we're going to have, we used to talk about it a couple years ago, having in a separate bank altogether, um, a profit hold and a tax hold account. Whereas now what I would want you to do is have that in the same bank but maybe have a different login and password for that one. Be able to transfer it back and forth. The The big thing is, is we want you to um, be out of sight, out of mind with these things. Because if you have all this money sitting over here, like your sales tax um, and other stuff, it's it's easier not to get in there. And, and what happens to a lot of shop owners is they get into a cash crunch because their margin is not correct and their cash flow is not correct. And they see like $6,000 in their sales tax fund. And they're like, oh, I'll borrow this from there. And then I'll pay it back. Well, they borrow it and they never pay it back. And then six months later, the state of whatever comes along and slaps a sticker on your building and says, boom, you're out for not paying sales tax. And and they will do that. Um, the You are like nine times more likely to get audited by your sales tax and local government than you are the IRS. So the so the sales tax, the local people is the ones that you want to watch out for. So so if you set that up so you can't see it, then you're not going you're you're less likely to spend it. But again, it all go, it all goes back to the margins. If we're making what we're supposed to make on the margins, then we have cash in the business. 
We'll be back next week with part two of our conversation with Chris on cash flow strategies for your auto repair business.